Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's hard for me to not talk politics when I'm on stage doing stand-up because I know the president. And that's my story today. I know the president. I know the president of the United States. He fired me on The Celebrity Apprentice. He screamed at me when he fired me. He didn't scream at the other celebrities. He didn't scream at Brian McKnight. Whoever the fuck that is. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. That was Tom Green telling jokes about his time on The Celebrity Apprentice on Comedy Central's This Is Not Happening show last year. Tom has faded from the spotlight a bit in recent years, but he was once one of the most famous comedians on the planet. As I tell Tom in this episode, I was about 14 or 15 years old when the Tom Green Show premiered on MTV, which was probably the perfect age to appreciate his very specific brand of comedy. In this episode, we talk all about that show, his rise to fame, and of course his more recent experience with Donald Trump on The Celebrity Apprentice. Now Tom has been touring the world as a stand-up comedian and has a lot of other great stuff going on as well. Uh, before we get to Tom, please, uh, I want to remind you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know uh, what you think of the show, who you've really enjoyed hearing, and who you want to hear next. So let's go to my conversation with Tom Green. I became a U.S. citizen uh, about, uh, I guess, about four months ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How has it been so far? It's been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I've been living here for 20 years, yeah. so I don't see any sort of immediate changes like to my life because uh, mm -hmm. I've sort of been living, you know, as a permanent resident since uh, 1999. Well, actually, no, I, I mean, I, I guess I've had a green card for 15 years. So, yeah. so, uh, but, um, you know, I moved to the United States in 1999. And, uh, you know, so it doesn't really change anything other mm -hmm. than the fact that, uh, you know, I am officially an American now, so that's pretty cool. I mean, it's nice knowing that I can't get kicked out. Yeah. Uh, it's nice knowing that I can vote. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice knowing that, um, that uh, I mean, those are the main two things. Yeah. Any reservations about uh, becoming a U.S. citizen with, uh, with Trump as president? Or uh, did that no. factor into your thinking at all? No. No, because, I mean... Well, first of all, I'm still Canadian. Also, mm -hmm. you didn't you didn't have to renounce your uh, no. Your you're Canadian. Du you're allowed to yeah. be dual. Yeah, you are allowed That's to be good. dual citizen with so Canada. You can escape if Canada is the only country I think that you're allowed to be yeah. dual. I'm not sure if that's true, but I know I know in most countries you can't. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's others you can't. Yeah, but I've heard other people. Part of the citizenship is they have to say, "I renounce my, yeah, you know, citizenship." With you this do other have country. to say yeah. that, yeah. yeah. But you're allowed to keep your passport mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. So, um, you know, it's uh 
No, I, I, I don't think it really had anything to do with uh, my old boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really just a matter of, uh, you know, I've been living here 20 years. I wanted to be able to vote. And, uh, you know, I mean, time goes by so fast, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm 47 years old now, and time just seems to go by faster and faster. And, you know, even if Trump did win another term, which he may, I mean, that'll be over pretty quick. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I, I, it's it, you know, it's... You know, it's not really got anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. I do want to vote. That's, I think, yeah. a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah, is there anyone you're you're excited to vote for at this point, or you're still uh, feeling it out? Uh, as far as uh, as as you're making the assumption that I want to vote for the Democrats, well, or Trump, or anyone. Okay, but when you said at this point, I guess you meant like <laughs> who you think who I think yeah. is going to well, be the or Democratic anyone, nominee. Anyone you think can be uh, can can beat Trump. I mean, the assumption would be correct, but, um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I have to wait and see. I personally feel like, you know, Joe Biden probably would be my choice. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, again, we'll have to see what happens in the yeah. campaign. Maybe yeah. Trump will uh, say some stuff that's, uh, you know, sways me, my opinion. You know? Yeah. I was impressed with his, not to talk politics, but... I was impressed with the restraint shown last week on the decision to not, you know, uh, attack Iran after they shot our drone down. Yeah. I, I was surprised and impressed by that. Now we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe they'll attack Iran before this podcast goes live. Yeah. By the time this podcast <laughs> goes live, anything could happen. Yeah. 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 Um, so I want to talk about your uh, your stand up. You've been uh, headlining comedy clubs around the country and doing yep. a lot of um, a lot of stand up uh, recently. Um, what have what have audiences been like? And do you feel like there is a um, uh, divide between maybe what audiences and fans of yours uh, expect versus what they what they get when they when they see you perform stand up? Um, it just depends on the fan on mm-hmm. which particular fan you're talking about. I mean, because you know I've been. You know, I started doing stand-up 31 years ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, I really, you know, hadn't toured the United States and the world as I am now, like, like really until about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been... Now I've been touring pretty much nonstop the last 10 years. So I have fans that, you know, have been to my stand-up shows before. They know what I do on stage. Probably a significant portion of the people that come out to my stand-up shows are coming out because they won't... They know what I do when mm-hmm. I do stand up. Yeah, but um, uh, you know, and then that being said, if 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 you were somebody that watched my show on MTV or you know like my movie Freddie Got Fingered or Road Trip or some of those mm-hmm. things that I've done, I I think that you know the the tone, the style of 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 you know my performance and my material, I think definitely connects with people that mm-hmm. are looking for something wild and crazy and yeah. and ridiculous and and silly but i mean you know there was always uh there was always sort of an underlying point to our show to my television show mm-hmm. and uh you know uh maybe not not as pointed as it is in my stand up because mm-hmm. in my stand up i do actually talk about social issues and 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 the human condition in a way that is definitely more more focused mm-hmm. than than on on the television show which was I still think there was an element of the Tom Green show where we were speaking truth to power. You yeah, know? it just wasn't as 
it was it was being approached in a way a twenty something year old would approach it as opposed to the mm-hmm. way a forty something year old would approach yeah. it. You know? what, what's an example of uh, speaking truth to power on the Tom Green show? Do you think? Well, when, like when you, you know, you as, a, as a twenty as a twenty eight year old, you know, um, you know, I sort of felt like I was rebelling against authority mm-hmm. and rebelling against uh, you know the status quo and the way the media and the way comedy was made even, mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean, you take something like, uh, you know, uh, hanging in a, a painting on the, on the wall of the national art gallery of Canada and seeing how long it will stay there mm-hmm. to me, you know, that's kind of like, you know, a, a bit of a send up of, you know, when you're getting chased by the security guard, you know, the power for a 28 year old skateboarder is the security guard, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, the, 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 the absurdity of, of, of the system of, of, you know, of the fact that I could hang an art, a painting on the wall for a, and let it hang there all day, you know, in an art gallery, you know, is, is, was, was sort of, uh, sending up, you know, the, you know, the, uh, you know, conventions and stuff. So, you know, I, I don't, I just, I just think that, uh, but now I'm actually speaking directly about, you know, the way mm-hmm. we behave as people, you know, our addiction to social media, how it's messing up our, our, uh, you know our our lives are in the way we socialize with with each other so i'm actually just talking about these subjects yeah i mean it's interesting you're the people who are fans of yours you know when your show was on are obviously older than they were when your when your show was on because i think your your comedy on mtv really played to a younger audience and i was probably 14 or 15 when the show premiered and i feel like i was kind of the perfect age for it and i i watched i I love the show um yeah like and and just to kind of expand a little bit on my last answer like in context now, you look at the Tom Green show from MTV, and it it still holds up. Like, I mean, the, the pranks and stuff are very, in, in very much, in many ways, technically, you know, executed the way that YouTube and, mm-hmm. and things are, are, pranks are being shot now. You know, probably the content is actually in some ways still more surreal and mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. In some, some, certainly some of the stuff is very, it was very strange. But, you know, at the time... You know, I, I I I was very sort of acutely aware of the fact that like what we were doing was was new. You mm-hmm. know, like we yeah. were taking a video camera and going out on the street and shooting stuff and editing it together and putting it on television in a way that television just wasn't traditionally made that way. Yeah. You know? and so that's why it looked. You know. You know. You know. We were in in, in many ways. I felt like we were sort of. I don't like to say this too often, but I felt we were. Let's say par- doing a parrot. I felt we were in some ways kind of mocking television, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even mocking comedy, to be yeah. honest with you. So, uh, you know, and I think that 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 potentially may have rubbed some people the wrong way, and even in the comedy industry, because mm-hmm. I felt like we were making fun of comedy a lot of the times. Right. With my movie, Freddie Got Fingered, especially. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's fascinating that YouTube didn't exist when when your show came out, because now, I mean, it was it seems like Taylor made for you know, chopping up and sharing on online. And now you can find a lot of that stuff online. And now, you know, shows can only exist if they are made that way. And what, you know, like thinking about the late night shows, they don't, they only succeed if they can make these short clips that people share and everything. So it's, it is kind of amazing that your show was able to be so successful without that outlet, that online um, outlet. Yeah. Even so, like some of the things that I think I was rebelling against still completely exist in the same way as they did before now mm-hmm. within YouTube, within social media, within, cause it's really just about the way like people behave 
in sort of group think, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a corporate environment. Yeah. You know, like so, you know, you can be a network talk show making bits that are working on YouTube, but mm-hmm. you still got, you know, 10 executives telling you what you're <laughs> shooting and you got yeah. 100 writers and you're in this big bureaucracy and and everything it's kind of ends up get, kind of getting watered down. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that was kind of what was truly unique about the Tom Green show on MTV, different than anything that's followed it, mm-hmm. was that it really was coming from this pure independent place. You know, the shows that followed it that have been compared to it or that 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 did similar things were not in any way like made the same way as the as my show was made because you know to me it was me editing it myself fighting the network Mm -hmm. even on mtv you know whereas after that you had sort of it just sort of reverted back to the way television's always been made you have a group of of executives and writers and producers and they're all sort of in this bureaucracy and we're gonna make a crazy prank show now Mm -hmm. you know yeah it ends up just kind of coming you know becoming sanitized and even if it's really crazy and weird you can i can see i can see the mtv stamp on everything mm. that came after the Tom yeah. Green show. One thing that I didn't realize, I think, until I heard you on uh, Pete Holmes' podcast, um, mm-hmm. was that you had already made a lot of this stuff from that first exactly. season exactly. On, your, on your own without anyone telling you what to do. Exactly. Um, and then they kind of just let you put that more on than, the air. More than, like, more than, for sure, more than like 75% of the clips that aired on the Tom Green show on MTV, like the out on the street mm-hmm. clips, mm-hmm. they had all been shot before MTV picked up the show. So when you we you the real world implications of that are things like when I was pulling pranks on my parents mm-hmm. like I I I had found no success when those things were being filmed. I had no money. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were worried about my future. <laughs> they weren't thinking, "All right, here he comes again to do another prank for MTV," yeah. you know. They had you no know? idea it would be on yeah. MTV. So like, you know, again, not to talk about anybody specifically but you know there's there was a there was a thing that was in the performance where there was sort of a, a desperation you know because mm-hmm. it's yeah. like we were just kind of like i was scared you know like like when i was shooting all that stuff in canada what am i gonna do with my life you mm-hmm. know, what am i gonna do with my life yeah. and, and uh and there were no there were literally no rules so to show my parents how much i love them I've turned my parents' vehicle into more than just a vehicle. I've turned it into the Slutmobile. You like it, Dad? Come look at it, Dad. Go talk to your mother. I'm going to What? What's the big deal? Not a big deal. I'd better be off. It's permanent. Come look at it. That's permanent. What do you mean? I'm out to the police right now. You like it? Mom, are you trying to wipe it off? Mom, well, Mom, what? A dad can't take the bus to work. I'm going to take the slutmobile to the bus stop. Wow, there's a lot of people at the bus stop. I hope my dad's not embarrassed by his slutmobile. Come on, I'll drive you to work. What? What? That thing better be washed off the bed. I don't know how you got it on there. It's, it's permanent. It's a present. Dad, don't worry if your neighbors see the slutmobile. I mean, it's just your slutmobile. 
Yeah, I mean, I think one person who gets compared to you or you get compared to him a little bit um, is Sasha Baron Cohen, who also, you know, has gone out and done these real life things. And I had him on the show a few weeks ago. Amazing. Um, and I love. Yeah. Him. And, and he but, you know, your show predated the Ali G show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think he kind of claims to have invented this type of reality comedy. But, I, you know, it's almost as if they you were, you know, I don't know whether he was in, in, influenced by you or not, but it was kind of coming up uh, at the same time you in Canada and him in um, in the UK. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so did you see, when when you started to see that, did you see a similarity um, between what you were doing and what he was doing? Uh, did I see a similarity? Uh, sure, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also I see differences and I, I saw similarities for sure. You know, because at, at the... You know, like, I think there's a, you know, there's an element of technology changed, mm-hmm. okay? So all of a sudden, 90s, late 80s, early 90s, any skateboarder can go get their hands on a video camera. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't exist in the, in the, in the 70s. Yeah. In the, in the 80s, really. You know, it was really, you know, video cameras were just too expensive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could anybody who could actually afford the equipment, you know, had to be sort of, uh, I don't know, mature enough not to do the things that we were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. in order to in order to get your hands on that kind of equipment, you had to have some sort of financial backing, and you know that would not not be given to somebody who was doing things as idiotic as the things that I, that I wanted to do. <laughs> so, um, so that's why, why I'll changed at that time. So there was, there was some parallel things happening for sure. Um, I think that, you know, if I can, you know, if, if he claims to have created it, I'm sure he did create it in uh, what he was doing, you know, in isolation of what I was doing. I think what I, what I feel like I contributed was that I, I hammered it through MTV. Mm-hmm. Like I got it on the air. Yeah. Like if I had not, if I had not fought, like I don't think people really know how much I fought mm-hmm. to to get the pure integrity of that crazy, absurd insanity that I was doing on the air. They even after they picked up the show, they didn't want to put it on the air. Yeah. And I fought because I was I'm a stubborn person. And I was very protective of the comedy. And because I fought for it to get on the air in its purest form, the show became a success. Mm. And once it became a success, that did open the door for shows that came after yeah. me. Yeah. Can you remember, um, you know, early bits that you got uh, pushed back on from MTV saying, well, we just can't air that. And then you, you pushed it, it through? It wasn't even just just specific things for, for you know... It wasn't just like that's too shocking, mm-hmm. or it was literally right down to the way the the method of production. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so you know, like I like I said, I, like we said, I've been doing the sh- didn't been doing the show for five years when when MTV picked it up, and I came in with all of these clips. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably had probably had I don't know, probably had close to a thousand videos. Wow. Okay, uh, shot on you know decent you know quality you know mini dv tapes mm. and some of it was shot on vhs yeah but it was you know it was, it was edited professionally you know because we had access to good equipment at the at the public access station in canada so we got to mtv and it almost became now it was sort of more the argument became about 
how are they going to re-edit it? Because mm-hmm. they, you know, they were tightening it up for time. They were shortening things. Mm-hmm. And so they were sanitizing it. Right. And one of the things that they wanted to do was they wanted, I, I remember for one example, MTV, that, uh, that I, I found surprising and shocking was, I'll give you a couple examples. Mm-hmm. One example, when the show, we moved to New York, MTV brought me to New York, gave me an office. There was mm-hmm. an edit bay yeah. in the office. There was an editor taking all of my footage that I'd you know, brought down with me mm-hmm. and shipped down, and they were loading it into the computer and um, re-editing it. And I would go in every day and see you know, what the editor had done. And these were my, my edits. I'd cut them mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. So I felt very protective. You didn't of them. feel they need to be re-edited. <laughs> I knew they needed to be tightened up for time because, yeah. I, and I felt like that actually might be not the worst thing in the world because mm-hmm. you know now we were in a half-hour format mm-hmm. and I wanted to cram as much stuff into the show as right, possible. Right, right. So I did agree with that, you know, because we would you know take a a, a, a three-minute clip and make it a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, was probably good, um, but you know. Now you're into subjective decision making, like what clips, what 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 shots stay, what shots don't stay. And I would walk in the room the first few days of editing, and so I would go out in the street. Let's say, for example, there's a street that one. I remember, you know, one of the pranks. I went out in the street, and it's not really even actually a prank. I don't even really call what I did pranks because mm-hmm. they weren't really pranks. Yeah, but yeah. I would go out in the street and I had crutches. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the bit. I'm on crutches and I'm walking around on the street and I'm falling down and mm-hmm. people are helping yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. I'm screaming and pain <laughs> and everybody's reacting and looking mm-hmm. at me like I've, you know, what's this guy doing? And a lot of the theory of the show was, you know, was that it's funnier to see somebody looking at me. Mm-hmm. You know, like go and do something weird, but yeah. then we'd film the reaction shot that's of people. The f- that's the funny part, not necessarily you falling down. that person crutches. observing yeah. me. Yeah. So they would cut all the reaction shots out. You know, <laughs> Which because just, yeah, misses they the didn't point. understand yeah. that like that's the funny part. Mm-hmm. And then I'd explain that to them. Mm-hmm. So I would explain that to the producers the executives and NPC. No, that's the funny part. The funny yeah. part isn't me falling on the ground. The funny <laughs> part is the person looking at me. Right. So then the next day I'd go back and they'd put some of the reaction shots out, but they would take all they would always remove any reaction shot of anybody over the age of 30. And they'd say we have a corporate policy nobody can appear on MTV who's over the age of 30. <laughs> I'd say but no, but all the funny shots are the old people. Yeah. You know the old the old lady, the old man, their shocked reaction. They're more easily you know, flummoxed, right? Yeah. So, uh, so then that <laughs> became hilarious. a major, major battle with, yeah. like, you know, me having to literally go into. Uh, I hate saying the word literally, by the way. Yeah. I, 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 the, 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 me having to go into these huge sort of negotiations mm-hmm. to convince them that the funny part was the old, the old mm-hmm. person reacting. So that 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 was that, that that was sort of a fundamental sort of sort of misunderstanding of mm-hmm. what what that what the comedy was. Yeah. Are there when you look back on on your time there? Are there any you know whether you want to call them pranks or not call them pranks bits that you that that make you cringe that make you say like ooh I wish we hadn't done that one or or do you do you pretty much stand by uh, everything that that you did? I mean, most of the bits before we shot it, we would say, okay, what's the requirement 
to go and shoot this. And we would look at each other, my friends and I, when we were writing the stuff, and we'd say, well, let's think of something that in 20 years, if somebody asks you, do you regret it? You'll say, yes, I regret it. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's do that. (laughs) So that was kind of the MO. Yeah, let's, let's think of something that will make us cringe. That, yeah. you know, let's try to do something that is the most embarrassing, ridiculous, crazy, mm-hmm. strange thing possible. So, you know, because we went into it with that as sort of the, the you know, the mindset, no, there's not really anything. You know, I, I, I always feel like I had a, a moral and ethical line that I didn't cross, mm-hmm. you know. I mm-hmm. never, I never wanted anybody to be, you know ridiculed in a way that was, you know, if you take a step back and you get out of the heat of the moment, you, I, I think anybody that appeared on camera, once they step back, realize what was going on, they're not actually offended by it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I yeah. never really wanted to take, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't consider any of the pranks that we did or the, I, I call them pranks now because people <laughs> call that stuff pranks. Yeah. But it wasn't really pranks, you know, because it wasn't hidden camera. I consider mm-hmm. I, I consider the definition of a prank as a hidden camera. Yeah, bit. there we was that you never hid the camera. We didn't hide the camera. Yeah. So any of the clips we called them segments is what mm-hmm. we called right, them. Right. Right. But any of the segments we did, you know, uh, or the videos we did, um, you know, I think most people that appear on camera in those those bits, like my parents, for example, you know. They would watch the show on TV every week when we were on public access. Mm-hmm. Even though they were yelling at me in the video, <laughs> they'd cool down. Yeah. You know, they'd realize that I, you know, I, I painted their house plaid. Mm-hmm. They were angry. But yeah. then, you know, before the video aired, I, I, I painted it back. Right. You know, so they, yeah. it wasn't like I burned the house down mm-hmm. or something. Coming up, Tom opens up about how his cancer diagnosis led to his MTV show's premature demise and changed the course of his career forever. So the show the show ended after a couple of years three three years three seasons, um, yeah, kind of yeah. And yeah. so why why did it end? I mean, it, I know it was around the time of your uh, cancer diagnosis. That's why um, it ended. That is yeah. why it ended. Yeah. yeah, there's there's sort of some misconceptions out there. Apparently, you know, some. I mean, I, I think there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the show wasn't canceled. Yeah, yeah. I I I quit the show when I was. Essentially, you did the cancer special. Mm-hmm. That was the last, uh, the last uh, episode of of the Tom Green show in its tradi- mm-hmm. in its earlier form. I did do another version of the show later, yeah, yeah. a talk show. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't really the Tom Green yeah, show. That was, that was very a, different. That was a that was a nightly talk show that we did, which we did seventy episodes mm-hmm. of, which was really cool, and it was critically well received show too. But the show the show itself, the Tom Green show, wasn't was not canceled. People sometimes you know, think it was canceled, you know, mm-hmm. when they, when they talk about it. Yeah. I don't know. Did you think it was canceled? Or? No, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I You've probably done a lot of research because yeah. you're a journalist. <laughs> I tried. I Cause tried. I've talked about that. I've tried to clarify that over mm-hmm. the years. Cause yeah, I mean, it does matter to me that people know that the show wasn't canceled because mm-hmm. the show, you know, it's, it's kind of rare that a show goes out on top like that. You know, yeah. like we had the, we had the, one of the number one shows on MTV. I think that was why, you know, in a lot of ways that they kind of doubled down so hard on, on creating content like that mm-hmm. after because, uh, you know, I quit and I think they weren't actually that happy about me quitting, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, I had a, 
you know, I don't know if your next question is going to ask why I quit or. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I that's what I, I, I was about to answer yeah. that question. Well, let's just let's go there. Yeah. Ask that, yeah. but, let's just uh, answer the question. If you don't want the answer to that question, I can well, just we can talk about something let's, else. Let's do it. Why'd you quit? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. So I just had cancer. I had this massive surgery, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was it was this lymph node dissection, right? They cut, yeah. cut they cut your your whole body open, and they were removing lymph nodes out of yeah. the back of my spine and all this stuff, and and it was uh, extremely painful. And uh, you know, I was in how uh, old were you at that point? Uh, twenty eight. Wow, twenty eight. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and at the same time, I was I had been doing the show at this point for. Uh, you know, seven years, mm-hmm. you know, only on MTV for two, yeah. but, but I've been doing it for seven years. Um, but two years when you're 28 seems like a long time. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, to be completely honest with you, I had major opportunities in film, you mm-hmm. know, so I was being offered, uh, you know, Stealing Harvard, Freddie Got Fingered, other movies that I didn't do mm-hmm. road trip, um, and there was just sort of uh, huge opportunities for mm-hmm. me. And I coupled with the fact that I just could not see myself in that physical condition where I was in a lot of pain, going out on the street and falling down on the ground and uh, and uh, running around and yeah. getting chased by people. And my life had changed. You know, my mm-hmm. life had changed in in probably the most sort of uh, you know. Probably in a, you know, in a bigger way than, it, you know, you could really ever really sort of imagine someone's life changing in a six month to a year period. I mm-hmm. went from living in my parents' basement mm-hmm. to, you know, you know, being very comfortable. Yeah. Let's just put it that and way. Quite, and quite famous. I mean, I yeah. think you were on you know, magazine covers and yeah. you were everywhere and... Um, yeah. And I mean, depending on how I don't like talking about money and mm-hmm. stuff, but you know, like uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is you know, like uh, I mean, uh, I was in this sort of situation at MTV where they weren't being totally, you know, they were still kind of not really letting us shoot what we wanted to shoot, mm-hmm. do what we want, you know, and and I had the opportunity to go make films and and uh, you know, make a really, you know life-changing amount of money mm-hmm. compared to what I was making at MTV. So I just made sort of a business decision, yeah. you know? You mentioned there were other parts that you were offered that you didn't take. Is there anything that ended up being, you know, something that we would know that you that you turned down during that time? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you want to say. Or... I, don't, I don't like to say on record, on mm, a recording. Right. Just because I don't want to, like, sort of... A disrespect the people that did take the role, sure. you know, because they did amazing jobs in the roles, mm. and uh, you know, I, 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 it's not so much that I turned down the role. It's mm-hmm. like you always have to make a choice. It was the weirdest right. thing. I, I can tell you, if I could go back to that period in time, mm-hmm. I probably would have done things differently. How so? And maybe I, maybe it wouldn't have worked out as well. Mm-hmm. I maybe, maybe I wouldn't have been as happy as with the result. You yeah. know, like hindsight. Mm-hmm. would affect the way I made decisions. Well, like maybe I wouldn't have made Freddie Got Fingered. Mm-hmm. You know? I had like I had I had multiple films that I could have done instead of Freddie Got Fingered. And it all boiled down to one, ones that you wrote uh that you that No, you ones wrote that were one, that were okay. other people wrote mm-hmm. the major studios were coming to mm-hmm. me with that major 
mm-hmm. stars ended up doing mm-hmm. that, that became that huge did movies quite well, yeah. that did quite well that 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 you know I'm so curious what yeah. they were but yeah. uh, I'll, you know yeah. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to wait on that yeah. so it's like you know you go okay well you know how does how does how does your the path of your life change you mm-hmm. know okay well maybe if i had done those movies i maybe i wouldn't be doing stand up today mm-hmm. you know maybe i maybe i would have you know been doing mainstream movie after mainstream movie after mm-hmm. mainstream movie and i would have been doing a completely different kind of thing which on one hand like would have been pretty cool Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, I, I don't know that I would have been as satisfied with like, you know, you know, creatively with what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you, you did Freddie Got Fingered, which uh, you I was know, getting asked to do of, movies, uh, yeah. wh- which were the movies that Freddie Got Fingered was essentially making fun of. Right. right. So did you, in a way, did you feel like you you preferred to make fun of it than than do it? Yeah. I mean, like, like. There was obvious there was there was a huge backlash to Freddie Got Fingered, right. which was was not uh, necessarily uh, a pleasant experience mm-hmm. for me. Why you do know? you think that? Why do you think that was? Was it because people felt like they were being uh, mocked in Hollywood? Uh, <laughs> I think that there was a lot of factors at play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I you know, again, you know, I. Uh, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on in my life at once. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because of the the fact that there was, you know, if, if I had just had my TV show and then I'd made that movie, mm-hmm. I think it probably would have been more well received. Mm-hmm. But then when you, when with a cancer thing, mm-hmm. I was now, you know, in sort of a more of a tabloid situation too with Drew, right? I was, yeah, you know, like, you Drew know, Barrymore. Yeah. So, so there was, there was a lot of like, Mainstreams sort of attention to me mm-hmm. that you may, you weren't an underdog. Yeah, that may not have been there yeah. if if I had sort of uh, just been doing my TV show. But I think mm-hmm. the cancer diagnosis, everything, it all, it all, it was like you know, like it was when I when I got when I got cancer, I was on Entertainment Tonight every night, you know, mm-hmm. following my cancer. You know, mm-hmm. it was like really kind of it was sort of like uh, I think it probably became. Uh, you know, just a bit, a bit too much media saturation, too fast, mm-hmm. and so is my analysis of it. So that, like, you know, there wasn't this underdog sort of like, look at this crazy kid made this crazy movie. It was mm-hmm. like, look at this, you know, let, let's 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 uh, tear this guy down a few notches. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, that basically uh, it just changed the direction of where I would gone. Like, if I I think if I had gone and made one of the movies that had been offered to me. Mm-hmm. Or, and just to name one of them, no. Just, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> if I had gone and done a mainstream film, mm-hmm. right? Some of them weren't, you know, huge successes. Some yeah. of them were, but uh, you know, I just think that it, you know, I I would have probably, you know, maybe done a few more of them. Mm-hmm. You look at any anybody that's a comedian that has that kind of they usually end up getting you know a run of about five or ten movies and then it ends anyways right mm-hmm, right so then i wouldn't have made freddie got fingered which to me in now is actually a super bo- a huge bonus you know because mm-hmm. you know I've, I've i've got people that love that movie now because it yeah. is so insane you know it's, it's sort of got this worldwide cult following mm-hmm. i mean when i go when i do my stand-up comedy anywhere in the world i mean i just toured asia i was just in hong kong uh, Tokyo and uh, 
Vietnam doing shows, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, not, a, not there's not one day in my life in the last 15 years. This might actually sound like not a good thing, but where someone <laughs> doesn't come up to me on the street and say, Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> Every time I leave the house. Yeah. Someone will come in Hong Kong or Sydney, Australia or Toronto. So that's from Freddie Got Fingered. So the movie couldn't have really, you know, it did, it did, it did, it did resonate with people, right? mm-hmm. even though it may have not been, uh, you know, critically well received. Oh, look, honey, our boy's a genius. He's rigged a pulley system so he can eat sausage and work on his stupid drawings. I'm being creative. Now, if you'll excuse me, I still have some work to do. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? Daddy, would you like some sausage? Sausages! Sausages! I mean, you're, you're very focused on stand-up now, um, and you put on an album and... Um, and all that and interviewing do you have do you still have um desires to act and and be in in movies or television shows in that in that way yeah i uh i'm developing a television show now so we'll see what happens you know, i'm right i'm working with like with, a, a fictional show or a, a yeah, talk show yeah a, 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 a sitcom a sitcom yeah i'm actually mm-hmm. developing and writing a a sitcom right now, and is it based on on your life or? In some ways, I don't. I I probably shouldn't talk about too much mm-hmm. right now because it's early stages. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, I was just on the uh, Celebrity Big Brother show. At I CBS. did see. I did see some of that. That was that was. Yeah. Uh, what what was that like? Uh, I w- it was great, and uh, I had an amazing uh, time on there in 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 so many ways. I mean. It, it was uncomfortable, and uh, a lot of it was not fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm somebody that kind of embraces the absurdity of that. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed, you know, living in a house with a bunch of angry people for <laughs> a month. I was uh, I was in there for 25 days, as long as pretty much anybody. Yeah, because uh, I made it pretty close yeah. to the end. I was voted America's favorite house guest. Yes, and uh, I'm I'm proud to say uh, people liked me. Uh, America liked me. It's a really fun game. Yeah, like it's pretty surreal just hearing about hearing you talk about it. I mean, if you had told me <laughs> when I was 16 years old and dreaming of being, uh, you know, in television, that someday I was going to win two head of households and two golden powers of veto, I wouldn't have known what you were talking about. <laughs> Coming up, Tom explains why he actually liked Donald Trump while they were filming The Celebrity Apprentice. How did it compare to your experience on uh, on Celebrity Apprentice? It was very comparable, actually. Yeah, very comparable. Uh, you know, the social interaction, the way people behave when they're under a microscope, mm-hmm. especially Celebrity Apprentice, Celebrity Big Brother, mm-hmm. the way celebrities—I'm doing yeah, air quotes—the yeah, way yeah. celebrities behave when they're put in an environment where not everybody is saying yes to everything they say mm-hmm. is hilarious to me. Yeah. People just melt down, mm-hmm. you know, so they don't know how to act when they're, you know, in a room with a bunch of people who aren't like just sort of hanging on their every word. So mm-hmm. they kind of all melt down and lose it. And it's really, really funny to observe. Um, I, I kind of feel like because I kind of have done. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot of confrontational-based comedy Mm -hmm. in my past Mm -hmm. that I was sort of a little more suited to kind of handle that kind of environment, possibly. You know, I don't think I quite melted down the way I saw people around me melting down. Mm -hmm. But uh, it did did get, you know, very uh, emotionally taxing at points, you know. I mean, you have people screaming at you all day. And you don't see it on the show, yeah. Because you're the the difference between Big Brother and Apprentice, of course, is that on the Apprentice you got got to go home at the end of the day yeah. into your hotel room, and the cameras weren't on you. Mm-hmm. Whereas Big Brother, it's twenty four hours a day, even when you're sleeping, when you're showering. That's insane. You know, yeah, it's completely <laughs> completely hilarious. But I, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I enjoyed the the sort of Orwellian aspects of it. You know, mm-hmm. I found it really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and on Apprentice, I mean, you, you've talked about this before, but you, you got fired because you, uh, you went out drinking with Dennis Rodman. I went out drinking with Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I mean, like, again, I don't know if you got all day or whatever, but mm-hmm. I can kind of give you a little bit of context <laughs> to that decision, too. Yeah, I mean, I, well, from I've heard you talk about it, too, and, I, and we can talk about it, but it seems yeah, you like you, research. You, you, wanted, you were kind of approaching the whole thing maybe in a different way than, than some of the other people in terms of trying to make it entertaining for yeah the I audience. think I think I think so here is my excuse for not winning celebrity mm-hmm. Big Brother <laughs> and celebrity apprentice okay I'll give you my excuse yeah. for both I uh, I walk into celebrity apprentice and I didn't know who the other people are going to be on the show mm-hmm. and day one uh, I'd been doing uh, my internet talk show at this point. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people because yeah. I've interviewed thousands of people mm-hmm. on my internet talk show over the years, you know? And at that point, I'd probably interviewed, you know, close to a thousand, hundreds and hundreds of people. I'd probably done 500 episodes of my show. So I knew lots of people. So I knew I was going to know somebody in there on The Apprentice. I just mm-hmm. didn't know who it would be. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 everyone walks in and Andrew Dice Clay is there, who I've actually become quite close with at that point. You know, he'd done my show several yeah. times. We've had a lot of laughs. We know each other. We like each other. We're mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. Since then, we've become even closer friends. But, but, um, but so I immediately realized, okay, this is going to affect affect the way I portray, uh, the way I behave on the show because. You know, when I'm around other comedians, especially Dice, we 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 kind of like Dice is. You know, if you know Andrew Dice Clay, he is 
hilarious on and off stage. Mm-hmm. And he's always trying to kind of, I don't know, confuse people around him, <laughs> which is something that I enjoy doing, yeah. too. So we kind of ended up kind of like not taking the game as seriously as I would have, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he was fired in the first episode. Yeah. And now I was left with a group of people who had seen me goofing around, basically, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, no longer were taking me seriously as a businessman, mm-hmm. you know, as a business <laughs> Which is, of course, yeah. what the show is all about. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of had an impact. And then, um, and I was also the youngest person. And I was also the only comedian mm-hmm. after Dice was gone. Yeah. So, you know, there became sort of a... Uh, and there's a, it's impossible for me when I'm on, you know, I'm on The Celebrity Apprentice and we are making cupcakes. <laughs> and Clint Black and Jesse James and Brian McKnight are yelling at each other. <laughs> About the cupcakes. About the cupcakes. It's impossible for me to not to sort of look directly into one of the cameras and just do sort of like a deadpan sort of take to the camera mm-hmm. yeah. so that, you know, the camera can cut to me mm-hmm. giving a look while Clint Black and Scott Hamilton are screaming at this each other. It goes back to the reaction shots being yeah. the funniest part. I'm yeah. giving my reaction shot. Yeah. So now they're seeing me do that. Mm-hmm. So now they sort of feel that I'm mocking them. Mm-hmm. It's impossible for me not to mock the situation. Yeah. It's, it's a very absurd. mockable situation. Yeah. So, you know, that doesn't necessarily ingratiate yourself mm-hmm. to people the way, you know, like when they see, you know, again, you got Herschel Walker, Brian McKnight, Clint Black, Scott Hamilton. They're all yelling at each other. And nobody's really sort of analyzing it from a television perspective. Nobody's, none of them are thinking about the absurdity of the mm-hmm. fact that they're yelling at each other. They're all actually mad at each other. Yeah. So, so when they see me kind of mocking it a little bit, which is impossible for, for me to not do, I think they took offense to that. Yeah. So now I had an alliance against me because mm-hmm. they're thinking, oh, this guy's not taking the game seriously. Yeah, it's got to go. Got to go. So, <laughs> so when I was, I, vo- I, I stupidly volunteered to be project manager. Mm-hmm. In the uh, third episode, again, I don't know how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. <laughs> they tried to get me fired in the second second episode, yeah. but I got Scott Hamilton fired. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. go back and watch that. Yeah. That was pretty fun. But uh, you know, I think in hindsight, I, I would not have probably gone out drinking uh, as late mm-hmm. as I did and slept through my alarm. But I knew I was. <laughs> I essentially knew I was going to win, uh, going to lose that week, anyways. Yeah. Tom, you're fired. Go. You were lousy last week, lousy this week. We have to do it. Go. All right. That's fine. Is that... Is that, is that That's right? it. Go. Get out. That it? Good. Okay. Go. Out. All right. Thanks, Gus. Try a little harder, will you, Dennis, please? I will try. I will try. Look, in, in hindsight, I probably could have could have gotten past it. Um, you know, I think I've learned uh, full disclosure. You know, like I, I was pretty young, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm, I've gotten a little. I've, I've, I think I've learned as I get older that, you know, you know, I've cut back on booze quite a bit. You mm-hmm. know, like to you know, be serious with you for a second. Yeah, like yeah. I don't drink alcohol when I, I'm on the road doing stand up. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I've learned that I'm just much sharper if I. Not only am not drinking, but if I, 
And I still drink. I'm, I'm, I'm not like sober, and I, I, I don't consider myself like I ever had a problem with it. But I do feel like that, you know, there's times to just be like completely straight, you know. So like I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like to, you know, drink. Like I just was doing stand up uh, in Nashville all weekend and. I didn't have a drink until after my last show, mm -hmm. you know. Just to uh, kind of keep focused on what you I need just, to be uh, doing. I just feel that when you're 47 years old, if you go out and have some drinks, even after your show on Friday night, mm -hmm. I'm just not as sharp on stage on Saturday night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I do a lot of crowd work, a lot of improv, and I like to be able to pull comedy out of thin air. Mm -hmm. And I just, my mind's not operating at the speed that it would be operating at mm -hmm. if I was... You know, even if I've just had, even if I just had, I'm serious. Like, I, it's funny when you do stand up, you notice the difference. I've noticed the difference at which my mind operates, the speed at which I think of things. Mm -hmm. Even if I had one beer the yeah. night before, yeah, it affects it. It affects it. Wow. And that's, that was sort of an eye opener. I didn't yeah. even realize that until I started mm -hmm. really touring and doing stand up again. You mm -hmm. know, it's nothing worse than being on stage hungover. Yeah. As for a comedian. Yeah. Um, so just to, to wrap up the, the celebrity apprentice thing, I mean, the thing that's so bizarre about that experience is that the two, the people that you were involved, that, that uh, you went out drinking with Dennis Rodman and then Donald Trump fired you. Mm -hmm. Now Trump is the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Dennis Rodman has kind of become a our, um, North Korean ambassador, uh, ambassador North Korea. yeah, yeah. uh, in some sense. Um, so, I mean, how do you, <laughs> that, that's a pretty, um surreal uh thing to to go from to think think back at that time and now where where these people that you were interacting with have come so how do you kind of think about that now i mean it's it is surreal to say that you know you know the president of the united states i mean i, I can recall you know you know dozens of one-on-one -on -one conversations i had with him mm -hmm. in the hallway while we weren't filming yeah know, with trump and so that's surreal. Um, you know, I um, I mean, do you want any sort of political commentary from me right now? Because well, I, yeah. I, I sort of hesitate to do it sometimes, but I, I find it uh, I find it disappointing. Some of the you know, I do find it disappointing, um, you know, and that's like, you know, the, the kindest way I can put it, mm -hmm. the, the rhetoric that he has used, you know, yeah. the, the racial division that he has well, used. I'm, I'm curious about that because... That I find so upsetting because if it wasn't for that, mm -hmm. the divisive racial tone mm -hmm. that he has brought to the country, mm -hmm. if it wasn't for that, I would actually like him. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's not like I have a problem with his... You know the way he's aggressive on trade, or the way mm. he is with so many issues. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did see you tweet uh, recently about the um, the detention camps on the border, though. That was something that you yeah, that I consider uh, yeah, that part under the racial that, yeah, uh, racial thing. You know, it's that. like yeah, we're blocking people from, you know, who don't mm -hmm. look like us and mm -hmm. uh, aren't mm -hmm. from here. You know, so that's that's the racial, you know, divisiveness of 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 his presidency. So that that to me is. Is upsetting because if it wasn't for that, you know, I mean, it, you know, I, I actually, you know, liked Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. It's the reason I did the Celebrity Apprentice yeah. was because I thought he was funny, yeah, and I thought the show was cool. There, there's a lot and of that, there's that, been a lot of rumors about um, his behavior on the set of that show, and I, you know, Tom Arnold did a whole special about the search mm -hmm. for the tapes of him yeah. supposedly using the N word on the on set. Did that um, 
is that something that you witnessed or saw or, or anything like that? No, I never saw anything like that. And if I did see that, I would not have liked Donald Trump. But I mm-hmm. did like Donald Trump mm-hmm. when I was on the show. Even when he screamed at me and fired me, I liked yeah. it. I, was, I think that was the thing that was most disappointing about it was like, ah, I didn't... I didn't pull it off. I didn't imp- impress mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Donald Trump enough to, to win. You know, mm-hmm. this was before all of this this other stuff happened. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you so. you see a different guy now than you knew. I mean, I, I can't say I knew him well enough to have, mm-hmm. have you know say that, said I know him. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. I think I think the second he walked came down that escalator and uh, said you know uh, what he said about. You know, uh, Mexicans, uh, you know, uh, I suppose some of them are good mm-hmm. people, you know, and yeah. all the other inflammatory things he said was a second that I kind of took a step back and said, whoa, I didn't know you were that mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. And that was, a that was you know, and I, look, I'm an immigrant, mm-hmm. right? I just mm-hmm. became a U.S. citizen. So I, I, I you know, I, I'm from another country. I, I've, I've, uh, I feel that, you know... Uh, Immigrants uh, contribute a lot to this country, right? Mm-hmm. I, I brought, you know, you know, maybe some questionable comedy, but uh, you know, <laughs> I've, you know, I paid taxes. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've contributed to society, so mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a, it's a good thing to to allow people to mm-hmm. come here. Yeah, um, I'm I'm always curious about his um, sense of humor or lack thereof, and I know uh, Letterman recently was talking about this and saying he used to go on the show all the time. He was able to laugh at himself. He was he he saw that this sense of humor that is no longer present. Do you did you sense did you get a sense that he had a was able to laugh at himself at all when you interacted with him? I did not get that sense actually. Yeah. So maybe he <laughs> was he was I, already. I, uh... I, I I I rode a horse into uh, the final episode of the Celebrity Apprentice that mm-hmm. I rented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never made air. No, because he didn't. Uh, think Clint it was... Black uh, wore his black cowboy hat every day on the show, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, Clint Black was kind of particularly mean to to me in mm-hmm. the context of the game. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure he's a nice guy off camera, but you right. know, in the game, he was aggressively against me on the game. So sort of for a little shits and giggles. Can I mm-hmm. swear? Yeah. I uh, real. Tough word I used there. I yeah. just said shit. Shits and, and giggles. Yeah, yeah, and giggles. Yeah, kind of balances it out a bit. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, you know, I, I thought it'd be funny to show up and wear a black cowboy hat mm-hmm. for the season finale. And so I thought, and then I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll actually rent a horse in Manhattan. I'll mm-hmm. show up to Trump Tower on a horse and <laughs> the camera and try to ride it into the building mm-hmm. and the cameras will film and everyone will get all freaked out. So mm-hmm. this was this was my thought process. Anyways. They didn't let me on the show with the horse. They made me take the hat off, and then later on, I was mm-hmm. standing in the hallway with Trump, and I, I told him I showed up on a horse that day, and he sort of had a very deadpan kind of reaction to that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he saw any sort of humor in me showing up on a horse. <laughs> but that being said, you know, I mean, you know, I, 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 I again, it's just it, it just all boils down to what I said. You know, I do think he has a sense of humor. I just think it's sort of. You know, uh, gone to some. He's gone to some very dark and divisive places, which, yeah. which I find upsetting. Yeah. Um, so before we start to wrap up, um, I want to do a little bit of a, a speed round kind of thing where we go through some some moments um, in your career and just tell me the first kind of memory or or thought that comes to mind. All um, right. So uh, you know, you mentioned that you were always a, a big talk show, um, you know, late night talk show fan. What was your first late night talk show appearance um and and what do you remember from that time 
In the United States? Sure. Yeah. The first late night talk show appearance in the United States was David Letterman, yeah. It's just weird to be here, you know, in, in New York City. Where I live three blocks away from here. Right. Uh, in a hotel. And, um... <laughs> in a hotel. And, um... And, but that you, you guys picked me up in a car today and, and brought me here in the car. I only live three blocks away. All right. <laughs> but, thought maybe, thought maybe, I want, and it was like, it's like it's a really long car. Like it was a gorgeous okay. car, all tinted windows and everything. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask them to maybe take me around the block a few times and have a little more time in it. But. <laughs> well, you better be very good then tonight. Yeah. Do you think a little <laughs> Or we'd like a little something back on our transportation bill. Okay. That must have been a big deal for you at the time. That was a completely out-of-body experience for me. I remember every you know second of it, really, leading up to it. I also remember that like it happened surprisingly quickly to the point that the, 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 the brass at MTV were almost could not believe it had happened. It was weeks after the show premiered really? we got a call from Letterman. And, uh, you know, they were thinking this was just some little show that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, we sort of, the thing rocketed up. And, and I was asked to do Letterman. And, uh, and uh, it was amazing. And, uh, yeah, I remember, you know, probably, probably equally as exciting, though, was when I, uh, a few years later, got to host Letterman. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was uh, amazing, yeah. How did that happen that you got to, that you got to guest host? And what, and what do you just, remember from that experience? I just got a out-of-nowhere phone call the night before I was to host, and I was in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I got a call at you know noon. Mm -hmm. Can you host Letterman tomorrow? And I immediately drove to the airport. <laughs> Didn't pack a bag, anything. Yeah. And just drove to the airport and got in a plane. Yeah. Was, Wrote my own monologue on the plane. Wow. It, you know, it was pretty rare for him to have guest hosts, I think, right? Uh, he, he had done it a few times at that point, but, mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah, it was rare and, and, and it wasn't something that he did. I think probably, I, I mean, probably could count on your hands and I think he's probably had like maybe, maybe a dozen people guest hosted mm -hmm. in the history yeah. of the show. So, so it was something I never thought I would get to do, but it was amazing. Yeah. Um, another big moment, uh, was hosting SNL in, uh, the year 2000. That was about, about a year into the Tom Green show, right? I mean, wh yeah. what did you, uh, what was that experience like for you? You know, I mean, it was an amazing thing to have gotten to do it. Um, you know, I uh, I was definitely, you know, I think if I could go back and do it again someday, I would do it a lot differently. You know, I was so, uh, first of all, I was I had my friends who were from Canada who were working with me on my show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wanted them to be kind of included in it. Mm -hmm. So I, I asked SNL if my friends could come who were writers on my MTV show, could come in and help, you know? Cause what, I, what'd they think of that? They said yes. Yeah. So, but I mean, I asked Lauren Michaels, and mm -hmm. he said, yeah, sure. So, but I, I, I didn't understand the politics of Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. and I didn't understand that potentially the writers of the show may have thought that was, and I don't even know if this is true, but I've, you know, and, and myself also, I was... You know, again, like I said earlier, aggressively trying to deconstruct everything that I encountered mm -hmm. just because I was a kid in my 20s yeah. and every single thing I did, I was like, that's the way you do it. Let's try to take it apart and put it back together upside mm -hmm. down and inside yeah. out. 
And uh, and so, you know, I went to, to SNL and, uh, you know, I brought my friends from high school with me to, mm-hmm. to, to help write some skits. And we ended up writing like, you know, I, like maybe half the skits on the on the oh, show, wow. you know, my monologue, the, the ending of the show and, and uh, you know, a bunch of the skits on the show. And um, I think in hindsight, I, I would have rather just showed up and uh, and 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 work with everybody else, and uh, which I also did, mm-hmm. and uh, and just kind of uh, went with the flow a bit more. But uh, you know, I was I was young and uh, and uh, passionate. Is there a, <laughs> is there a story behind the uh, the bit that you did with with Drew Barrymore, the kind of wedding? Um, uh, the bit? only the only story I could say to that. That that really is something that I I actually regret. Okay, mm-hmm. and I try not to have regrets, but this is something I regret. So, you know, um, you know, Drew and I actually were engaged at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, oh, this will be a funny prank. We'll we'll prank the audience, and uh, that you would get married. On, we'll, we'll get on, married on. Yeah. Tell everyone we're gonna get married on on SNL, and then she won't show up at the altar at the end and yeah. that'll be the punchline you mm-hmm. know even though we were still yeah getting married and, and like i think like a month after mm-hmm. we were actually getting married it's a funny bit yeah that was the bit but the thing i regret about that bit to this day which i actually so actually am kind of sad about to be honest with you is that the way we wrote the bit me and my friends from high school mm-hmm. um who you know in some ways may have influenced me in ways that I wish, you know, when you're with your friends mm-hmm. from high school, everyone's pushing yeah, each other to do things that they probably shouldn't do, right? Yeah. And uh, and so the way the bit ended was, you know, we kept teasing that we were going to get married at the end of the show. She's out in the hallway in her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. My parents are there in the audience. All everyone does it. And then at the end of the show, she doesn't show up. And I have a, a the end of my SNL, I have a meltdown on stage when she does show up. Mm-hmm. And it's a complete meltdown, mm-hmm. and the band stops playing, and the entire cast just disappears, and I'm standing alone yeah. on stage at the very end of the show, <laughs> which is, you know, artistically, and for me, I think it's pretty awesome, yeah. but like it does sort of ruin my beautiful Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. kumbaya moment at the end of every episode of Saturday Night Live, where you're hanging out with the cast mm-hmm. and, and celebrating together, and... I mean, in some ways, it's kind of a metaphor for the, you know, rebellious, uh, you know, naive kid that I was, where we're going to go in there and we're going to try to, mm-hmm. you know, turn SNL upside down, you know. But in the other ways, I, I think it probably just sort of ruined my my Saturday my my Saturday Night Live experience yeah. in some ways. You, you, you know? turned it upside down to the point where you to were the, point the only that I one did, left on stage. Only one by left yourself. on stage. I didn't get to sort of you know. Hang with the uh, the crew the the crew and the mm-hmm. and the band and the and the and the cast at the end and 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 celebrate a a fun night you know so but we all went to the rap party yeah. after and had a blast so did everyone fun. get that it was a, a a joke or were there you know um because I know you were in the you tabloids and stuff a lot then did anyone think that there was a real uh... <laughs> well, split there well first of all it was one of the highest rated SNLs of the year mm. I think because of the prank yeah because I think people were waiting to the end yeah to see. Yeah, you got people. That's hard to get people sometimes. So it to was a massive, massive success in that sense. Because yeah. I, I think we did, we did create a, mm-hmm. a, 
a reason to stay up till the end, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I mean, people fall asleep in yeah. SNL, you know, yeah. it's, it's late, you know? So, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not saying they fall asleep in SNL, but you know, I mean, sometimes they you do, don't make it yeah, to the end. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just, people, people get tired. So there was, it was a highly rated uh, show, but uh, um, so what was the question? <laughs> oh, I was, I was curious if anyone thought that 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 meant that you guys were done after that. If uh, you fooled anyone with your with your prank, or if it was pretty obvious that uh, that it was a joke. Um, I think so. I think it confused some people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, to put in perspective how bizarre my life was. Not, I mean, this is a show, right? You want me to talk about myself? Yeah. It's a show about me, right? This is all about you. You want me to talk about myself? Right. 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 Sometimes I hesitate telling too many stories about myself because I feel like I might come off a little, like, sort of affected or whatever. Yeah. Don't worry about that. But that's the whole point, right? Right. If I didn't talk about myself, then, like, you wouldn't have a... Yeah. We're not talking about me. Yeah. Okay. We could if you want. I could interview you. No, no, no. It's it's fine. (laughs) So, but just to put it into perspective of how crazy my life was at that time, which I sometimes think how bizarre life is, Saturday Night Live... After that happened, the next day, uh, you know, Drew mm-hmm. and I got on a plane to London mm-hmm. where we went to have dinner with Prince Charles <laughs> at St. James Palace with 12 other people for the royal premiere of Charlie's Angels, which wow. was, you know, premiering the movie yeah. was coming out. So that's how I met Drew. I met Drew when we did yeah. Char- Charlie's mm-hmm. Angels. So. Mm-hmm. so that movie was now coming out and uh, we were you know, uh, together, and uh, we went and had dinner with Prince Charles. You know, just mm-hmm. ten of us. Yeah. You know, in a little room. In like a, well, I mean, a, like a room, you know, with like in St. James Palace with like mm-hmm. guns and swords on the wall, <laughs> and I sat with Camilla Parker Bowles for the entire dinner. As you do. And had a, a, a two-hour-long chat with Camilla Parker Bowles. Do you remember what you talked about? Yeah, we talked about stuff like France and mm-hmm. stuff. And how the food? I remember. We, I remember we were talking about how one of their, uh, one of their, uh, one of the younger, I forget who it was, a nephew of theirs had just come back from Brazil. We talked a lot about organic farming. Spent uh, talked a lot about Prince Charles liked to talk about organic farming, mm. so we talked about that. And I talked about Peter Sellers with Prince Charles. Oh, he wow. loved. He was friends of Peter Sellers. That's cool. So Charles and I talked about Prince uh, about uh, Peter Sellers and Monty Python and and. Uh, um, some of them had seen Road Trip, so we <laughs> talked about, you know, if it was, was it a real mouse? You know, like literally <laughs> Prince Charles asked me if it was a real mouse, you know. That's hilarious. So, which it was. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a bizarre time in my life, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I'd, I'd say to put it, you know, I guess I said it already about SNL, but I think if I ever got the opportunity to do, to do that again, you know, uh, which would be nice to someday do that again, you know, I would love to be able to... Uh, not bring my uh, friends from high school in and just go in and mm. uh, and uh, and uh, you know b- sort of do a Saturday Night Live episode. Not not try to make it some crazy warped episode. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I mean, looking back, it's a unique Saturday Night Live episode because it was you were the host. Yeah, and it, it was. Yeah. The 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 uh, the naivety of youth, right? Yeah. <laughs> I I I don't think I quite caught on early enough. You know, like, I had been so, like, I had been so hell-bent on causing chaos everywhere that I went. That mm-hmm. was, that all of a sudden when I was, you know, 
where I was, I still was behaving as if I was living in my parents' basement trying to, like, you know, I should have probably taken certain opportunities to go on some of these things and just kind of, you know, be grateful that I was yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't really kind of realize that at the time, you know? But, uh, you know, look, I mean, I, you know, I don't regret anything in the SNL episode other than just that last moment. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I mm-hmm. wish we had not played it out like that, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Um, the one other thing I did want to ask you about um, is uh, this little incident that happened with uh, Martin Short uh, as Jiminy Glick, that he talked about how you're the only one who ever walked out on Jiminy Glick. Yeah. What, 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 how do you think about that now? Because it's now, you know, I think 15 years later or something. Well, I don't, I don't really like to make a, you know, a habit of talking about this mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, I'm, I love Martin Short. Yeah. Like Martin Short is... Your, your fellow Canadian yeah, uh, comic. I, I was, was my, uh, you know literally one of my great greatest inspirations in my life mm-hmm. you know like watching SCTV so, you know when you grow up in Canada you want to be a comedian you know Martin Short totally. you know, is the guy but I had uh, just gone through my cancer surgery mm-hmm. and I was uh, not only was I physically in a lot of physical pain when I was on the show mm-hmm. but I was also you know I mean I depending how far down the, you know into the weeds we want to get here you know i was you know very physically and emotionally affected by my cancer surgery yeah. to the point that i had sort of drop in energy level uh i could even say some depression and mm-hmm. and and uh and uh drop in sort of sort of physical sort of energy you know mm-hmm. and uh and also was very upset about it and so um, you know, again, without like kind of, I don't, I don't want to make this sound like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm mad at him. No, but, no. But he, he did sort of go after me about my testicular cancer. He was making fun mm. of, of, of my one ball and all this yeah. stuff. And you didn't and think so, that was, you didn't so, think it was funny or? I didn't. I was upset. I was upset yeah. by it. And, and so like, you know, I think that that kind of s- sort of was, there was a, there's a, there's a thing that happens when you have testicular cancer mm-hmm. and then you make a television show about it and you're a comedian mm-hmm. where I think you say to the world, hey, it's all right to make fun of this because I'm making fun of it. Right. And I think sometimes people don't really understand that it's actually not all right to make fun of it. It's only all right to make fun of it if you're making fun of yourself. Mm-hmm. So when I when I joked around about it on, on the, the cancer special, you know, I was... Um, I was making fun of myself in order to sort of deal with the 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 this, the, the terrifying reality that I was potentially going to die, you know, mm-hmm. from cancer. Yeah. So it was a very scary experience. So I've had, you know, again, not to talk about, uh, you know, one of my heroes, the legendary yeah. Martin Short, because yeah. it was just sort of an awkward moment, mm-hmm. you know, that was a short per- moment in time that ended. Um, but uh, you know, I, I will say that I've had multiple occasions over the years and it where people come up and say like how's your ball doing man (laughs) you know like i'm telling you like it happens all the time and so for the first several years um of 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 that i would get very upset Mm -hmm. 
you know, because uh, I was sort of uh, still grappling with the reality of it. Not mm-hmm. the fact that I had one testicle removed. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm fine with that. Like, yeah. it's no, nothing to do with that. Just the sort of the minimalization of how serious cancer is for mm-hmm. someone. You know, like you would never go up to somebody who had any other form of cancer mm-hmm. and say, "You, know, how's this going?" or "How's yeah. that?" and mention the body part that they yeah. had removed and make yeah. a big loud joke about well, it. Well, I think it's also but because it was you, because it was me, yeah. because I talked about it, because it is a testicle. And Mm -hmm. because people perceive that as funny, Mm -hmm. I think people have often made the mistake of making a joke about it. Mm -hmm. And there was a period in my life where I reacted um, honestly Mm -hmm. when people did that. Now when people come up to me and say, how's your ball doing? Which happens, I would say, at least once a week. I don't react honestly. Mm -hmm. I just say... It's uh, not too good, actually. It's rap- It's rotting away in a medical facility somewhere in <laughs> Southern California. But the other yeah. one's all right. Thanks for asking. And I don't get mad because mm-hmm. I just realize people just don't know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. But so. it still does upset you on some level. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so the last thing before we end, uh, I end every interview by asking, um, what's the, the last thing that made you laugh really hard? Uh, you could think about it kind of as like a recommendation for listeners, something that they could watch or... Um, or see something that, that really made you laugh. I really loved uh, Nate Bargatze's uh, stand-up special. Mm, yeah. Who I interviewed recently on uh, on uh, on Larry King. Oh, now yeah. On Larry King Very now. Cool. I thought he had a great special. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of stand-ups I, I think mm-hmm. are great right now because I'm, I'm down at the comedy store, you know, several times a you know, a month I'll go down mm-hmm. there, and when I'm in LA and at home, I'll go down do stand up at the comedy store at the Laugh Factory or the Improv. So I'm always around like really great comics. Like mm-hmm. you know, I'll be uh, jumping up on stage. Dane Cook will be there, or or or, or Arsenio Hall was there last week, oh, wow. and you know, you're around all these really, you know, legendary people. Bill Burr, and and, mm-hmm. and so I, I love I love great stand up comedy, and I, I love I love watching you know great comics and. And so some of those people I just mentioned have, have been making me yeah. laugh a lot lately. Um, you know, Dane came and did uh, my uh, an episode of Larry King now also. Oh, nice. He's just, uh, we had a, we had we had a, we had a, some f- funny moments on the show because he also uh, uh, informed me that he has uh, had an had one testicle as himself. Oh wow! Undescended testicle. So we had a, we had a, we had a funny moment that <laughs> um, he he brought it up. I'm not I'm not I'm not. Uh, but uh, as outside of that, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, outside of stand up, I'm trying to think of some shows and things that I've watched. Um, you know, you know, I I I, I like a lot of stuff. You know, but uh, I. Um, I mean, I, I tell you, like, when I talk about stuff that I watch on TV, some of it isn't that funny. Yeah. Like, like I just really enjoyed Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. So, I, so there wasn't I, a lot of laughs in that? No, very few. Yeah. But very good. But I love that. I got to interview Jared Harris for, oh, for yeah. Larry King uh, last He's week, actually. incredible. And so that was yeah. that was great. Um, but, um, you know, I... Uh, I, I I, I I laugh at everything, you know. Mm-hmm. That if I see a comedy <laughs> that everyone likes, I usually like it, you know. Yeah. But there's there's not. I'll tell you. I mean, uh, like you, you see, it's take me a long time to give you an answer. This this the the thing about 
performing and writing and doing comedy every day, and then you couple that with getting older, mm-hmm. it just takes a lot, a lot to really surprise you. Yeah. And uh, so I don't, I don't have those kinds of like laughs that I used to have mm-hmm. when I was 14 years old and seeing Monty Python's, you know, meaning of life for the first time, and you know. You know, we're here to take your liver, but I'm still using it. And I'm like, <laughs> as they're ripping the guy's liver, I'm like, like literally can't breathe. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know, because I'm so shocked and amazed at the absurdity of it, and I'd never seen anything like mm-hmm. it. You know, there's there's not a lot that really, when I when I watch people doing comedy now, I'm almost analyzing it with more of a. Uh, more, I'm more taking it apart and putting it back together in my head. Yeah, and so I hear that from comedians a lot. It almost feels like uh, homework or something. To yeah, to, I still to laugh though. Comedy. I do still laugh. Like I mean, it, you know, if I watch Eric Andre, I'm mm-hmm. going to laugh. You yeah. Know? If 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 I watch, uh, um, I'm forgetting the name of the show. I wanted to say I did want to give you an answer, and it was I, I was about to give you the answer, but I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I forget the name of the show. It's the guy from Lonely Island who has the new show on Netflix. And it's Lonely. a sketch show. Oh, I don't. Well, is he from Lonely? No. Well, are you thinking of Tim Robinson? Yeah. Is he not uh, from Lonely? No, Island? not from. Not oh. from. But he was a SNL uh, writer. SNL writer. Uh, yeah, I think. Oh, you should why leave. do I think he's from Lonely Island? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, he's from <laughs> SNL then. Did he write <laughs> yeah. Dick in a Box or something like that? I don't think so. Well, anyways, but I he like wrote that some good show. Stuff, yeah, I think you yeah. should leave. That's that's been actually the most. popular. I've never met him. Uh, I don't know him, but I, yeah. I like that show. I think that's funny. I watched. I watched the first episode of it and was 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 definitely. Very amused. <laughs> All right. Take well, the part uh, out where I don't know yeah, that he was from. We'll go. Yeah. We'll, we'll. Let me say it again. <laughs> I'll, what's that show called? I Think You Should Leave. Yeah. One show I really like right now is that show, I Think You Should Leave. No, I, I do love that show. Yeah. yeah. No, you can leave it in, I guess. <laughs> keep, it, keep it real. All right. Thanks, Tom, so much. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, man. Thank you again to Tom Green for all of the great stories on today's episode. You can find his tour dates at TomGreen.com, and he also recently released an album called The Tom Green Show, which is only available on vinyl and can be ordered at the link in the show notes for this episode. If you enjoy this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith for... The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and edited by Mackenzie Mazell. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.